and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on audio or whether or not you're on YouTube, if you've come to the channel for an episode of Coffee and Kernels, you have come to the right place. My name is Bryce and this is episode 27. Thank you all so much for joining me again today. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different because my camera isn't working for whatever reason. So for those of you who are normally watching this on YouTube, you're probably just going to be seeing an image of my logo for this episode, unfortunately. So take that for what you will. I don't know why I've been having trouble with my camera today. For some reason, when I need it most, it just can't quite come through for me. The reason being is because I think my app that I use in order to combine it with OBS, it's just not working correctly. So we're just going to kind of roll with the punches. We've got another good show for you all today, which include... Quite a few different items. Uh, first of all, hope you all had a great holidays. We're recording this the day after Christmas, so it's Boxing Day for all of my European and also Canadian friends who celebrate Boxing Day. I wish you all a happy Boxing Day, and I hope you all had a great Christmas as well. So, without further ado, what do we have going on for this episode? Well, we got a few things happening. First, we're going to hit you with a weekly recap. Of course, I like to sum up everything that has been going on between the last episode and the time of this recording. Then we're gonna talk about the weekend box office results because Spider-Man No Way Home has been making big, big tsunami tidal waves in terms of its box office numbers. We're gonna talk a little bit about The Matrix Resurrections which actually just came out the day before Christmas. I went and saw it, I enjoyed it, but I've got a lot on my mind when it comes to that movie. So stick around for that. Then we'll get into my random thought of the week and then we'll get into my weekly recommendations so we can keep you guys entertained throughout the week. Alrighty then. I'm not going to keep you guys any waiting any longer. Let's jump right into the weekly recap. Since we last spoke, I've managed to drink about 30 to 40 cups of coffee, celebrate Christmas, and also eat way too much. All of which were phenomenal activities and I don't regret any of them for any second. I ate a lot of candy and cookies and honestly, I kind of miss it. Kind of want more. But I'm going to take it easy for today. I went and saw Matrix Resurrections on Wednesday, I think it was. It was either Wednesday or Thursday. Yep, it was Thursday. It was Thursday, December 23rd. For those of you who don't know, The Matrix Resurrections debuted this week. It came out day and date on HBO Max as well. So for those of you who don't feel quite safe going back to the theater yet, you had that option as well, which is always a good thing. I am always a big fan of consumer choice and given the option whether or not if you want to go see it on the largest screen possible or watch it in the comfort of your home, either way is totally cool. I went and saw it in theaters. That's just the way I like to visit things on my first viewing. Normally what will happen with these day and date releases for me personally is I'll go and watch my first viewing in theaters. Then if I do repeat viewings, it'll be at home on HBO Max which has been the case for the last couple days. I have managed to watch The Matrix Resurrections, oh my god, probably four or five times now. First of which, like I said, it was in theaters and every other time since then it's been on HBO Max. It's probably not good for the box office results of the movie, but hey, Warner Brothers made the call and I am going to choose what is best for me, so take that for what it's worth. Overall, I'll get into this a little bit more later, but I really enjoyed The Matrix Resurrections. At first viewing, I thought it meandered for a little bit too long, but since then, I've kind of changed my mind on it a little bit. For those of you who are not fans of the Matrix franchise, I think you'll get lost, but for those of you who are fans, I think you'll you'll find some enjoyment here. So, what else did I? What else happened this week? 
I finished the Resident Evil 3 remake, which I think I mentioned on last week's episode, and I actually finished my review for it. That's right, my full review is going to be debuting tomorrow on the channel at noon p.m. or central time. Yeah, that'll be my time zone, so it'll be central time. And for whatever reason, it, it was so weird finishing Resident Evil Remake within just under five hours. I talk about this in my review, but I'm like, man, it, it's hard to believe that the game came out a couple years ago now, it's been almost two years, but for a game that's full priced at 60 bucks, for it to come out at that high of a price point and be that short, I, I, that, that doesn't quite sit right with me. The, the, the best way I can describe it is I'm actually kind of borrowing from Jeremy Johns. For those of you who don't know who Jeremy Johns is, just go up on YouTube, type in J-E-R-E-M-Y space J-A-H-N-S, and you'll find a really awesome YouTuber who actually reviewed this game when it came out years ago, and he said that it felt like more like Resident Evil 2 DLC, and I couldn't agree more, actually, because really not a whole lot changed in Resident Evil 3 besides a couple of other mechanics which I talk about, but yeah, it was so short to the point where it more felt like DLC than anything, so it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good game, and if you guys are curious as to my extended thoughts on that, look forward to the review tomorrow. But overall... I'd recommend it if it's at the $20 to $30 price range. What else happened this week? So Spider-Man No Way Home, I believe just as a couple of nights ago, it crossed the $1 billion mark worldwide. That's right. It has grossed over a billion dollars at the worldwide box office, which is the first movie in the pandemic era to do so. And I guarantee you it's going to be the only movie of the pandemic era to do so which has kind of gotten me in some shock and awe. I never thought we'd see a movie in the middle of the pandemic make this much money. Me, I am totally cool with it because I it, it, it shows some sense of normalcy, but then again, with the pandemic, you never know what might happen next. But yeah, over a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. I went and saw it in theaters opening weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed it. In fact, in my full review, I gave it a 10 out of 10. I thought it was a masterpiece. Maybe I, in hindsight, maybe I was a little too kind to it, but no, I, I still pretty much stand by it. I mean, if I had to go back and change anything, maybe I would have given it a 9 out of 10. Maybe, but I guess we'll have to marinate on that a little bit longer and see. But yeah, a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. That is not easy. And for those of you who might not have known this, it's also had the second biggest domestic opening weekend in history meaning that it made $263 million opening week weekend domestic in the United States. That's what I mean by domestic. And that's the second most of all time. The only other movie to earn more money opening weekend domestically was Avengers Endgame at like $353 million, which is just insane to think about. But it passed up Star Wars The Force Awakens and also Avengers Infinity War. Which, good on Marvel, three out of the four, three out of the top four opening weekends of all time in terms of domestic box office belonging to them. That's impressive. But I think, man, just Spider-Man, for, for Spider-Man No Way Home to make that much money, I, the studio's got to be happy about that one. And I think it's well-deserved. I thought it was an excellent movie. Tom Holland gave the performance of a lifetime, in my opinion, as well. So that kid has got some talent. What else happened this week? The last thing I'm going to say for this particular week is it was a stunning development in my household because my brother 
excuse me, my brother ended up visiting, and I noticed that when he was unpacking his things, that he had a spare P PS4 just kind of sitting around, a PlayStation 4. Now, for those of you who've been following my uh, channel for maybe a little bit while, or maybe you just kind of know me a little bit from my videos, you'll know that my some of my favorite game franchises of all time came out of PlayStation. Specifically, the Jack and Dexter franchise came out of PlayStation, and that's still my favorite franchise to the state, and I've been feeling some nostalgia lately. I've been wanting to go back and play it, play through all the Jack and Dexter games lately, and so getting a PlayStation 4 has been on my radar for quite some time, but I never really had the opportune moment to go ahead and pick one up for what I thought was a fair price or a fair deal. Plus, with the computer chip shortages going around, getting on, getting your hands on any console is pretty much impossible, or at least really, really hard at minimum. So, long story short, brother came home, had a PS4. I had a 4K TV that I'm no longer using, and I said, hey, let's do a straight-up trade. Give me the PS4 with a controller, and you can have that 4K TV. He accepted it, and now I've got a PS4. Needless to say, I'm testing it out to make sure it's working properly, but I'm going to be downloading some Jack and Dexter collection probably right after I'm done airing this episode and getting it published on the channel because your boy has been bathing in nostalgia for months now just thinking about when I'll be able to get my hands on those games again because while wow, those games were those are the definition of my childhood right there my young young childhood where I played I, I can't imagine how many hours I put into the Jack and Dexter series I mean so many so many fun fun times I distinctly remember on weekends when I'd be in elementary school and I'd wake up earlier than shit, like 3 in the morning and start playing. Parents would come in and yell at me, but whatever. It, it was worth it. I enjoyed it. It was just so much fun, and now I get to relive some of those memories again. So I'm stoked. That's a little bit more of a personal anecdote, but now I own a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox One X. What a ton of fun. What a time to be alive. So my friends, that is my weekly recap. How was your week this week? What were the highlights? What movies did you see? What games did you play? Whatever they were, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know all about it. All right, so now, kind of transitioning a little bit into some weekend box office results. And these box office results are going to be over Christmas weekend, specifically December 24th through the 26th. The beauty of the box office in this particular case is that I'm discovering that the box office results actually end up coming out like 4 p.m. on Sundays, sometimes Sunday afternoon. And I think that they've gotten so good at projecting what the Sunday box office will be that they can release the results earlier in the day on Sunday. They don't even have to wait till the end of the day. Like they're just scary good at predicting it. So we are the benefactors of such things, but what were the box office results for Christmas week? Well, in summation, four of the five movies that were in the top five were having their opening weekends. Lest for One, which happened to be the top box office taker for the weekend. And shocker, it's once again Spider-Man No Way Home and its second weekend is still atop of the box office charts. And I think that will be the case for probably the next month, seeing what's been coming out and what's been hitting the radar. So... How much did Spider-Man No Way Home make Christmas weekend? Well, it stayed at the number one spot and it made $81.5 million in its second weekend domestically. Now, that brings its gross in the United States at about half a billion. And then, of course, its worldwide box office has now pushed it past a billion dollars, which is just absolutely amazing. 
I have a feeling we could see Spider-Man No Way Home probably hang out up there for a while. I'm going to say another month at least, if not longer. Maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic. But I don't think Spider-Man No Way Home is going anywhere. Plus, with how good it was, I it could, it could have a really significant run at that spot. Because I just don't see any movie overtaking it for a while now. It's going to be a really long time, I think, before it gets dethroned. I've got to go back and look, especially since next week is January already, if you can believe such blasphemy. But yeah, so Spider-Man No Way Home, 81.5 million its second weekend domestically. It's going to stay up there for a while. The number two spot, the rest of these movies are debuting at the box office. Number two spot is actually Sing 2. Now, Sing 2 made $23.76 million on its opening weekend domestically which I thought was pretty impressive. I did not think Sing 2 would debut that highly. And I gotta say good on the movie for that. It I don't know if I'll be going and seeing this movie. I've got some time off this week, so maybe I will if I've got the time, but the trailers looked okay. I didn't see the first Sing, so my barometer for as to whether or not I, I should be shocked that this movie made as much money as it did is a little mute at this point. The only reason I say that I'm shocked that Sing 2 debuted in second is the fact that I genuinely thought that The Matrix Resurrections would debut just behind Spider-Man No Way Home, but the reason being is the fact that the reason that it didn't debut at number two is I think it's because of the whole HBO Max thing, but I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me slow down re really quick. So Sing 2, $23.76 million, opening weekend, debuting at number two in the box office. So the next spot up in the box office results for this weekend was at number three, and that was The Matrix Resurrections. Specifically, The Matrix Resurrections being an HBO Warner Brothers title, made exactly $12 million this opening weekend domestically. Now... The Matrix Resurrections has been, or the Matrix franchise, I should say, in general, has been around for two decades plus, I'd say two decades and some change. And the whole problem with, the whole problem I have with this, it, it, it only making $12 million, I mean, $12 million, of course, is a lot of money, but for the Matrix franchise, I don't think it's a whole lot. I don't think it's a whole lot. I think it could have done a lot better, but the problem is, and you've heard me talk about this before, is the fact that it debuted day and date on HBO Max, meaning that the same day it comes out in theaters, you can watch it at home if you're subscribed to HBO Max. And time and time again, we have been proven to that when you release something day and date, it's not going to make as much money as if it just had a purely theatrical release. And I think that's what Matrix Resurrections has fallen victim to here. Plus, on top of that, The Matrix Resurrections, it's been pretty divided in terms of critics and audiences' opinions of the movie. If we look on Rotten Tomatoes currently, you'll probably find that the critic score is about 68%, or I should say 64%, while the audience score is at about 68%. Myself, I enjoyed this movie, so I am part of the 68% who enjoyed it, and I, I, it's been a while since I've seen a movie so polarized. It seems like people either really love it or they really hate it. Me, I kind of fell somewhere in the middle, so I'm in the minority. But anyways, if The Matrix Resurrections was like an amazing movie and it had like a 95% audience or critic score, I think it probably would have managed to make more money at the box office and overtake Sing 2. 
I also think if it didn't have a day and date release and it just debuted theatrically, I could have seen The Matrix Resurrections making at least $30 million in the box office. For, for a multitude of reasons, the main reasons being what I mentioned already, the fact that it's been an IP for two decades plus, and it essentially redefined the sci-fi genre. A lot of people enjoy The Matrix, myself included. A lot of people are big fans of Keanu Reeves, because honestly, Keanu Reeves, his bread and butter is sci-fi action. I don't care what anybody else tells you. Between the John Wick franchise, which has been insanely profitable, and the Matrix franchise, Keanu Reeves has proven time and time again, he is just a master at sci-fi action. The dude is just born to do it. I've seen him do other things, of course, in terms of sports movies and the replacements. I thought he was actually pretty good in that, too. I thought it suited him quite well. And some other properties has been in, too. So I'm bummed for The Matrix Resurrections because I think it could have done better at the box office. But alas, I can see why it didn't do as well theatrically for a multitude of reasons that I've already mentioned. So The Matrix Resurrections, I enjoyed it. It made some money at the box office. I think it, continue, it will continue to, but we'll have to see how that goes on from there. Next up in the box office, we are at number four at this point, The King's Man at $6.35 million it made opening weekend. I'm not really too surprised on The King's Man, to be honest. I saw the first Kingsman way back when. I don't remember being too impressed by it. I know a lot of people enjoyed it, made a lot of money. The second one killed the momentum. Not a lot of people seem to really enjoy it. A lot of my friends included. I didn't even bother going and seeing it. I didn't expect that to change with The King's Man. I'm not going to see this movie. I don't know what else to say besides that. It's only made $10 million domestically. When you combine the fact that the second in the franchise wasn't that great, plus you're debuting the same time as like three or four other movies, plus you're trying to compete against Spider-Man No Way Home on Christmas weekend, that's not exactly a recipe for success. Plus, The King's Man hasn't had great reactions from critics or audiences alike. I don't believe its Rotten Tomatoes score has been very high. Let me double-check that, actually. Rotten Tomatoes. The King's Man. Yeah, 43% currently on Rotten Tomatoes. Not exactly a good score. I will say, though, even though it's got 43% on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, 77% of the audience scores liked it. Then again, only 500 people have really seen it who have voted on it in audience scores. So I really don't have much more to say on it than that. I guess I'm not really too surprised overall, given everything that the Kingsman had going against it. But take that for what it's worth. Kingsman debuting at number four in the box office charts at 6.35 million. And then we get into the last of the top five of the box office for this weekend. It's American Underdog. American Underdog made $6.2 million, and it was the story of Kurt Warner. It's a sports movie. Me, personally, sports biopics, I feel like if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Maybe that's me being a little naive, but American Underdog, it's the story of Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner's got a really good story behind him, for those of you who don't know. He was essentially bagging groceries at a supermarket, and then one day he got picked up by the Rams in order to be a quarterback, and then he went on to have a really illustrious NFL career. So, of course, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm giving you the extremely short version because there's obviously a lot more to it than that, but American Underdog did premiere this weekend. I wasn't too terribly excited for it, personally. I'm not even sure how it's been received on on uh, critics and audiences. Let me actually see real quick while we're here. Uh, 
not bad. Right now on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a pretty solid critic score, 77%. It's got a, a near-perfect audience score, 98% from audiences for American Underdog. That's pretty impressive. And overall, am I surprised that it made $6.2 million? I'm not going to say I'm not surprised because of the fact that for a lot of the same reasons that the Kingsman failed to make a ton of money, I could see the same being for American Underdog other than the fact that American Underdog is a standalone movie. American Underdog had to compete with three other movies that were debuting the same weekend on Christmas, and it also had to go against Spider-Man No Way Home on Christmas weekend, which is just made buku money. Everybody's been going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. It seems like anybody who is a moviegoer, even a casual moviegoer, has just been going and seeing that movie. So should I be shocked? Not really. Am I going to go see American Underdog? I don't really know. Maybe. I think I'd have more interest in seeing nightmare alley personally but 6.2 million for american underdog against all these other movies i don't think it's too bad i'm not sure what american underdog's budget was so i'm not sure if 6.2 is good by their standards or not but that's all i really got to say about that number five american underdog so friends just to kind of give you a recap one through five for christmas weekend box office charts at number one, remaining up top, Spider-Man No Way Home, $81.5 million for domestic. Sing 2 coming in second, debuting $23.76 million. Number three, The Matrix Resurrections, debuting at $12 million. Number four, The King's Man, debuting at $6.35 million. And then number five, American Underdog, at $6.2 million domestic. Any surprises for you guys? Or rather, I should ask, how long do you think Spider-Man No Way Home is going to remain at the top spot? Whatever your guys' thoughts are. You know where the comment section is. Let me know. All right. So, with the weekend box office results out of the way, let's get into uh, something that I promised earlier, which is talking a little bit about The Matrix Resurrections. So, The Matrix Resurrections, I did my review for it the other day. I went in. I watched it. I... I had a lot of initial thoughts on The Matrix Resurrections. One, my anticipation was pretty high for it because the trailers were what a lot of people are saying were some of the best in a long time, and I happen to agree because The Matrix Resurrections trailers were just stellar in a lot of ways. It built this impalpable excitement, this impalpable intensity that just got you kind of feeling nostalgic about the Matrix franchise, plus kick-ass action, plus really good music choices. It just ruled. It really ruled, and it got me excited as hell for this movie. My initial impressions coming out of it were, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great by any stretch. I thought it was good. I had thought that it meandered a lot in the second act. I broke the movie up into three acts, essentially. The first act I thought was extraordinary. In fact... I was having such a good time in the first act. I'm like, wow, this movie is blowing my socks off. Well, then the second act comes and it grinds to a screeching halt. It starts going into a lot of talking about the current state of the world that the movie's residing in, which got a little bit too long-winded. It slowed down a lot. You stop meeting characters and you just start kind of getting world building and it's just world building after world building after world building and that got really freaking old especially for a movie that's already two and a half hours long it's like 
we we gotta we gotta cut we gotta cut down on this and it, it didn't so i think that's where the movie faltered most and then we get to the third act i had mixed feelings on the third act i thought some of it was pretty boring i thought some of it was pretty entertaining so you start off really really strong you grind your screeching halt and then you end kind of on a meh so me coming out of it i and then just giving myself like about 12 to 13 hours to write the review and film it i ended up giving it a five and a half out of ten i thought it was a fine movie it was, I, as a fan of the franchise, I found enjoyment in it, and I thought it was worth seeing. But for those of you who are not fans of the franchise or have never seen a Matrix movie, I thought that the movie would probably confuse the hell out of you because there are so many references, callbacks, jokes that are made in reference to the original trilogy. And it's to the point where they clip out a lot of the original trilogy and put it into the Matrix Resurrections. Now, if that doesn't scream you need to know the original trilogy before watching this, I don't know what does. And I think that's pretty unfair. I think that alienates newcomers from going and seeing a movie and enjoying it because it requires you having prior knowledge to other source material, which I think is just... You shouldn't require movie fans to watch four movies in order to, to appreciate one of them. That's just ridiculous in my opinion. But nevertheless... Regardless of how I feel about that particular situation or how, or how you guys might feel on this, I want to interject my thoughts and opinions as a fan of the franchise who saw the original trilogy and really enjoyed The Matrix Resurrections. Me personally as a fan and knowing all the lore and whatnot behind it, I found that there was a lot to enjoy about The Matrix Resurrections. Now, one of which, of course, is all of the original characters that are in this including uh, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity and Neo. And by the way, that, that, that that's not a spoiler because they show all of this in the trailer. I don't think I'm going to be talking a whole lot about... You know, in fact, I'll make this claim now. Th this is no spoiler territory at all. I'm not going to divulge in anything about The Matrix Resurrections that you haven't already seen in the trailer. So no spoilers, so don't don't freak out too much if you are planning on seeing The Matrix Resurrections and don't want to hear spoilers, you'll be okay for this discussion. What, what I'm trying to say here, my overall point is if you're a fan of The Matrix Trilogy and you're looking forward to The Matrix Resurrections, rest assured I think you will have a ton of fun with The Matrix Resurrections. For many reasons. A lot of the reasons are... It's nostalgic. There's a lot of nostalgia to be had in The Matrix Resurrections. There's lots of callbacks to characters. There's lots of callbacks to concepts. Lots of callbacks to the original world of The Matrix as we knew it from Zion and other things along those lines. So in that, it'll feel like familiar territory for you. It'll feel like familiar territory, but it'll have tinges of something different. Those tinges of something different that I'm referring to are mainly in the form of Lana Wachowski. Some of their creative choices in the movie were shining, and I found them to be refreshing because they were different, they were vibrant, they certainly committed to those different changes, and they went for something that is pretty atypical in movies. And for me, who craves novelty as a movie fan, I really appreciated it. Am I saying that each of those creative attempts landed? No, not necessarily. Some of them fell flat, which is fine. That's part of risk-taking. But 
in this case, I think that Lana Wachowski really made some calls that were fun, they were ambitious, and I think the movie in and of itself was served well for it at some points, and not so well served for it at others. Like I said, no spoilers here, just want to make that clear. Some of the artistic choices that Lana Wachowski made were in the form of some cinematography. Now, in some of these scenes that you'll watch in The Matrix Resurrections, you'll notice that in some of the scenes, they'll use a certain type of shot where certain characters are going to be in slow motion, others are going to be in regularly paced motion. And there's a little bit of juddering in there as well to where you can tell that one of these characters is moving much faster than the others and is in total control, but for me, I didn't quite know how to feel about it because I'm like, okay, this is really jarring to watch, and when the scene is going on for 5-10 minutes, you can feel your eyes roll back in the, roll into the back of your head because it gets a little dizzying. That's an example of maybe some artistic ideas that didn't quite land so well for me. I could see how people might enjoy it. To me, it just kind of looked like a bit of a mess. Do I fault anybody for making those choices? No, not really, because like I said, this is I look at this movie as almost like part artistic experiment. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. That was just one part of the equation that didn't really work out so great. The other thing that I really noticed with the movie was the fact that it made this attempt at kind of being a little meta. A little meta, maybe a little breaking the fourth wall to where they would... Make, a, make some references to the outside world, the world that we as movie fans are living in, the real world, if you will. Sometimes that didn't land so much for me as well. I think in order for movies to be self-aware like The Matrix Resurrections was and for it to be meta, you kind of have to have some subtlety. You have to have a little bit of subtlety because if you're not subtle and you're a little bit too obvious with it, you become, you almost get to this point where you take yourself too seriously and you try too hard to be meta and too hard to be funny to where it's just not. And I think that's a crime that The Matrix is guilty of. Sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. There's a reference made to a company in the real world that you'll find when you watch the movie. And to me, that was so on the nose that I'm like, it kind of made me gag a little. Not maybe that that's taking it too far, but it it made me roll my eyes a little bit. So that's another artistic thing that I didn't quite land with me. It might land with you guys. You might find it funny. To me, as speaking as a subjective film fan with a different perspective, just didn't quite land for me in that regard. However, there are other things that were done in this movie, artistically speaking, that certainly landed with me and I thought were a welcome change. That was actually a lot of the humor and a lot of the lightheartedness that was present in the dialogue. Particularly, there are a lot of very big groundbreaking moments between Neo and whichever any other characters you can really think of. And sometimes there is an attempt at humor to be made in these interactions and for whatever reason for me i really really appreciated the way it was executed in a lot of these instances mainly because of the fact that neo as a character is very much a serious guy 
And to see the Matrix Resurrections kind of flip that on its head and it kind of almost not mock Neo, but almost kick him down a notch a little bit to kind of relax a little bit was kind of fun to watch, kind of fun to see, and I really appreciated that part of it. It gave me some good laughs. It allowed me to kind of have a little bit of fun with the movie because, I mean, the Matrix trilogy historically has been a very serious sci-fi sort of film and to see it kind of take that different tone and to even take that further they even complemented some of these moments with some different wardrobe choices that were a little bit brighter in color not so just plain old black which we've seen a lot in the matrix trilogy i really enjoyed that that, that that's i think that's one of the biggest artistic choices that they made in the movie that certainly landed if that didn't land i think it would have hurt the movie the most but in this case i thought lana wachowski and company did a great job incorporating some of that humor and coupled with some of the design and wardrobe choices i thought it landed quite well so as a fan as a fan of the matrix trilogy as a fan of the matrix franchise i think that if you are in the same boat that i'm in and you go and see this movie you're gonna enjoy it in fact you might love this movie did i love this movie at first no the more I'm watching it, the more I'm enjoying it. I have it on in the background right now as I'm recording this podcast, actually. And each time that I'm watching this movie, I'm finding more to like with it. Having said that, if you're a listener of this podcast and you're not a fan of the Matrix trilogy, you might not like the Matrix Resurrections. Having said that, if you go back and you watch the Matrix trilogy, then go watch Matrix Resurrections you might have a greater appreciation for it. Then again, I wouldn't expect you as a movie fan to go watch six hours worth of movies and then go watch another two-hour movie. That's an insane expectation. I wouldn't expect or wish that on anyone. So, my friends, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the Matrix trilogy, take that for what it's worth. Me, personally, overall, I'm finding more to enjoy about the Matrix Resurrections all the time. I might even make another video detailing what my mind has changed since my original review of the Matrix of the Matrix Resurrections, Jesus, I can't talk today for whatever reason. It must be that post-Christmas food coma. Blah blah blah. Unique New York. I should have relaxed the vocal cords before I started recording. But those are my two cents on the Matrix Resurrections. Thanks for kind of riding along with me on this tangent. I know this is a bit of a longer one, but I enjoyed it, and I hope you guys did too. So, friends, I ask you: Have you seen the Matrix Resurrections? If so, what did you think of it? If you haven't seen it yet, are you looking forward to it? Whatever your thoughts are, you know what the comment section is. Let me know. All right, so we're approaching past the half hour mark of the podcast, and now we're into the home stretch, of course, which brings me into my random thought of the week. You know, I do this each and every week, my random thought of the week. Sometimes it's stuff that's pretty related to movies, TV, video games. Sometimes it's not. In fact, if I recall last week, and I believe my random thought of the week was around donuts because I want them so badly. Ironically enough, ladies and gentlemen, I have not gotten my donuts yet, and I probably won't for a while anymore because of all the junk I ate on Christmas. Like I said, it was worth it. I don't regret it. I wouldn't change it for the world because I had cookies on candy on you name it. It was delicious, and now I'm craving it just talking about it out loud, so maybe I should chill out. But my random thought of the week for this week is centered around reviewing anything, whether it be movies, video games, or TV shows. My random thought is, how often do people change their minds when reviewing something? 
how often do critics like myself or pundits or amateurs, <laughs> I probably fall more into the category of amateurs in this case, how often do we change our minds on things whenever we, we watch movies, whether we play video games, watch TV shows? And is it okay to change your mind really, really often? My answer to that is totally. And let me let me be very, very clear here. I think it's okay to change your mind and change your perspective each and every time you have a contact or you watch a movie, you watch a TV show, or you play a video game. And I'm okay with it. If you told me a critic would give a different review each time they watched a movie, played a video game, or watched a TV show, I would totally understand and subscribe to that because each and every time you consume a piece of media or you do a technique, you always learn something new that you didn't know previously. That's why if any of you are in school, a lot of your professors will recommend reading through your textbooks twice. Hell, I barely ever read through my textbooks once because I hated reading. I don't blame you if you're in the same boat too, but for me personally, it's really hard for me not to watch or play something and not have a different opinion about it each and every time I do because you're just, you notice, you naturally notice more things. You naturally see a greater level of detail you didn't see before. And in terms of a content creation perspective, that kind of lends itself to really unlimited content creation because each and every time you watch a movie like myself, you could hypothetically make another review. You'd be like, hey, this is my first viewing review. This is my second viewing. Chris Stuckman, for those of you who don't know, he's a movie reviewer on YouTube. He sometimes does second viewing reviews from what I remember. Sometimes he'll revisit things. Heck, I've even seen IGN, one of their reviewers who reviewed uh, Halo Combat, or not Halo Combat Evolved, Halo the Master Chief Collection. Ryan McCaffrey reviewed it originally, gave it a 9 out of 10, and I think he re-reviewed it a couple years later and gave it a 9.5 out of 10. And it just goes to show you sometimes, you know, you just take some time off from things, you re-examine it, and you come back with a new perspective. Plus, your perspective is partly shaped by who you are as a human. And when a couple of years pass, you're fundamentally, you're fundamentally a different human, therefore you fundamentally have a different perspective on things. Thus, that is reflected in your reviews and critiques and observations of things. So it gets a little meta, it gets a little in the weeds, and it can get the gears turned in your head for a long time. But that's what's been on my mind for this week. I'm not ashamed of changing my mind on a review or changing my minds on scores because honestly, if I had to re-review The Matrix Resurrections again, I would at minimum give it a seven. I'd at minimum give it a seven. And that's just kind of how it goes. Will I review The Matrix Resurrections again? Probably not. Too many movies to see, so little time. So take that for its worth, friends. But I ask you now, what do you guys think? Is it okay to change your mind each and every time you watch, review, or play something? Do you guys change your minds often? Whatever you guys think, feel free to continue the conversation down in the comments below. All right, so now I've kept you guys for pretty long this podcast episode, approaching minute 40. So... Let me give you some entertainment for this week. Let's get into some weekly recommendations. First off, let me just say my heart is broken now that Christmas is over. I look forward to Christmas each and every year like nobody's business. It's my favorite holiday, and I think I've got post-Christmas depression because, man, I am just bummed out. 
But in order to pick back up the energy again, we got New Year's coming up in a week. I hope you guys are all safe and have a happy New Year. 2021 is almost over already, if you can believe that. I can distinctly remember celebrating 2020 just like it was yesterday, but here we are. So I'll give you a movie, a video game, and a TV show because I actually picked up another TV show this week, believe it or not. Never thought I would, but here we are. Let's start off with the movie. It's another Keanu Reeves film. It's going to be The Replacements. I gotta say, The Replacements is probably in my top three for favorite sports movies of all time. The Replacements is starring Keanu Reeves and actually John Favreau, if you can believe that, before he was a huge household name in the Marvel, Disney, and even Lucasfilm universe here. But he plays a linebacker. Keanu Reeves and company end up being replacement players who play football for the Washington Sentinels for the last four weeks of the NFL season when all of the players in the league go on strike. It's a really good underdog story. It's a feel-good story. It's pretty damn funny, too. I got some good laughs out of it. You'll see some actors that you recognize, Gene Hackman being one of them. Keanu Reeves is another. There's a lot to like in the movie. It's not too long. Some of you might not love it. I know on Rotten Tomatoes it doesn't have great scores. But me, personally, I really enjoyed it. I think you might, too, especially if you're into football or if you're just a sports fan in general. It's a good time. Highly recommend it. Next up for video games, naturally since I've finished Resident Evil 3, my backlog continues, which brought me into my next game, which was Resident Evil 8. I'm a few hours in, I'm actually getting through Resident Evil 8 a lot faster than I ever thought I would, and I gotta give it to Resident Evil, they have done a great job at reinventing the franchise when they need to most, now they're at a first person shooter, horror kind of level, and I'm digging it. I thought Resident Evil 7 was pretty fantastic, and now they've continued that mastery into Resident Evil 8. I'm a few hours in, having a good time, freaking out. It's gory, it's bloody, it's scary, and it is a blast. So check out Resident Evil 8, friends, if you haven't already. It's probably been game of the year on a lot of people's radars for 2021, so I'm not the only one who thinks it's pretty great, but check it out. See for yourself. And now, the last weekly recommendation for this week. It actually just wrapped up in terms of its last episode this week, I'm only on episode four. If you can believe that, I'm a little late to the party here. It's Hawkeye. Hawkeye with Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld. I I wasn't even going to watch Hawkeye. In, in truth, WandaVision was absolutely phenomenal. That, that was a great Marvel TV show. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was pretty typical Marvel property. Lots of action, you know blah 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 i thought loki was pretty solid i love loki i really enjoy owen wilson i thought two of them together were quite awesome and then it came to hawkeye and me i'm just i'm barely into superheroes really as it is and i don't really have an opinion on hawkeye either way but i last weekend for whatever reason i was like you know what i'll check out hawkeye i'll, I'll give it a watch and i actually really enjoyed it I got three episodes in. I enjoyed every episode. The first one I didn't think was that great. I thought the first episode was a little slow, but two and three I thought were pretty solid. And because of that, I've got to recommend it to you all just for something different to watch. It's only six episodes for the entire series because it's a limited series, so it won't keep you occupied for too long. Episodes range from probably about 35 to 50 minutes. So if you're looking for something that's just kind of enjoyable... Maybe captures a little bit of Christmas spirit, since if you want to hang on to some Christmas spirit, that might be a good way to do so. 
it, it's not a bad option. It's really not. So if you're looking for something to just have a little bit of entertainment value, Hawkeye, I think, will be able to fill that void for you. It won't blow you away. Don't get me wrong. It will not blow you away. It's not like ground shattering like WandaVision was, but it's enjoyable. It's a pretty fun time to keep you entertained. So those are my weekly recommendations of the week, friends. Do you have any weekly recommendations that you would put on the board? Whatever they are, feel free to jump down in the comments below and let me know. I'd love to know what other good stuff is out there as well. All right, my friends. So we have come to the very end of episode 27. Once again, thank you so much for bearing with me for this episode of Coffee and Kernels. I know that without the video today, it's a little bit different, but hopefully audio is sufficing just nicely. So I hope you all have a great week. I hope you all had an excellent Christmas, Hanukkah, or whatever other holiday you're celebrating. I hope you all have a fantastic new year. This has been the Baker of Hippo YouTube channel. I've been Bryce. Until the very next episode, have a great week, have a great day, and Happy New Year's. Signing off. We'll see you soon.